0: Welcome to episode 18 of Sisters Coffee and Crime. I'm Sandra. And I'm Christina. Today we're talking about Douglas Donald Moore. He killed
1: three people. Douglas's first crimes were assault on young boys and escalated to murders. Grab a cup of coffee and join us while we talk about these crimes.
0: Douglas Moore grew up in Montreal, Canada. His... Home life was pretty rough. He was sexually abused by his father. And when this came to light, his mom and dad split. As he was growing up, he did move around a lot. When he was in British Columbia and Ontario, he sexually abused young boys. In Ontario, he assaulted four teenage boys. And in BC, he assaulted a 12-year-old boy. He goes back and forth from uh, British Columbia to Ontario. And when he's in Mississauga he assaults a 14 year old boy doug did face charges for all of these crimes and he did time in bc and then he gets transferred to ontario he ends up doing less than 10 years in prison altogether
1: how old was he at the time that all of this he was
0: young he was like in his um like i think he was like 1920 in that time so
1: he wasn't in the juvenile
0: no he was tried as an adult and when he gets out he's 30. okay so a little update on his victims, and this is just on those six that there were um, convictions on because he did allegedly abuse other kids, but there was no... There was no uh, justice for that. Right. Like they didn't uh, even bring it to trial. Okay. Now there was one boy from a 1986 case that did die of a drug overdose. Okay. And the other five ended up did like putting their lives back together um, and they d- did move on, mm-hmm. and those were what the boys made allegations of, but they say that uh, like they have a hard time being fathers and even being husbands because of what happened to them, which I don't think is that surprising.
1: No, so he was convicted for six, for six. and then there were another six that...
0: Uh, there's no number specified, but there's oh, another, okay. uh, others that came out okay. and said that they were also abused by him. Okay. Now, Doug gets out of jail, and he, like, he balks up, because when he goes in, he's, like, the skinny guy, and he comes out with tattoos, piercings. And he's just much bigger. Okay. He gets a job at a factory, and he heated aluminum. He poured aluminum into molds for auto parts. Okay. And they say that he was a good worker, but Doug has an accident. He pours aluminum, and it actually goes down his leg, and it scars his calf.
1: hmm
0: in nineteen ninety eight, Doug moves in with his brother. Now his brother he, he says that he's helping his brother out, but his brother because his brother is physically and developmentally uh, he has okay. disabilities. Yeah. Okay. But it really wasn't kind of like and it made it seem like it was out of the kindness of his heart, but his brother was splitting rent with him, so
1: Oh, so his disabled brother was still paying half the rent, yeah. Half the rent. Okay, gotcha.
0: So when Doug meets new people, he has a story for them. Because he doesn't want to say that he was he's a pedophile and of he's sexually assaulting young boys. Right. So this is a quote that somebody says that he said to them. Mm-hmm. I was in for manslaughter for 10 years. I got in a street fight when I was younger. I hit a guy and he fell back, banged his head on the curb, had an aneurysm and died. End quote. So that's his story. Okay. Now he meets these people and their names are Linda and Peter Norton. And it's through one of his sisters. And the Nortons were good people. They were foster parents and they had a contract with Peel Children's uh, Aid and Society. And the Nortons were about 30 minutes north of Brampton in a place called Bellefontaine. I don't know where that is.
1: Okay. I don't know either, actually. I don't know if it's, like, close to Kaladin or something like no that. Yeah, sure.
0: But through his anger management, he starts a relationship with a woman named Sandra Martin, which just sounds like a disaster. Yeah, and I think
1: it's, um, we need to remember that these were times where, um, you didn't have to register as a sex offender, right? So, right,
0: because this happened before it was on the sex registry. Right.
1: So he could make up stories about that. He could why. say whatever
0: he wanted. Yeah. Okay, so through his anger management therapy, he meets and starts a relationship with a woman named Sandra Martin. And Doug becomes sort of like a father figure to her 9-year-old son. Oh
1: goodness.
0: And at the time, at the time that they meet, Sandra is unemployed. I'm just trying to tell you about some of the people that are in his life, it it'll mm-hmm. all make a full circle. Of course. So Doug does get some car-related charges. On one occasion, he was pulled over for driving erratically, mm-hmm. and he The cop makes him do a, not a breathalyzer, but he makes him do some um, stuff for DUIs, you know, like walking the line or whatever. Sure. But he ultimately gets acquitted. Okay. A little while later, he's charged in Mississauga for dangerous driving, and he does get convicted in October of 1999. He's put on probation, and Doug's license is suspended for two years. Wow. Okay. In May of 2000, Doug is charged again. He gets pulled over, and it's not stated what he's pulled over for. But the police realize that his license is still suspended.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: So um, when they're searching him, they find a 23 centimeter serrated blade in his pocket. It's one of those like folding knives. Yep. And Doug tells police that he needs it for protection because of his bisexual lifestyle. I don't know even know (sighs) what that means. Mm -hmm. But he ends up pleading guilty. And he is charged to 45 days in jail. Okay. And this, this charge causes him to lose his job. So when he completes his time, he takes his brother and Sandra and her son and they move to the Meadowville area. Okay. He kind of establishes like a little life for himself in Meadowvale. Okay. And it's stated that he really, really like loves Sandra and he encouraged her to get a job and to lose weight because he wanted her to be a Better person. Oh God, that's just gross. Okay. <laughs> but she does get a job at a local KFC as a manager. So she's starting to sort of mm-hmm. turn her life around. Okay. But you will find that she is kind of garbage as well. Perfect. But in two thousand, Doug had teens selling drugs for him.
1: Okay.
0: Now, he starts to become closer with the Norton family. That That's the foster family.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: They feel like Doug was a good influence on the kids. Linda would would say, quote, Doug was a guy who had been in jail for a mistake. He would tell the boys, hey, don't fight. Don't get into trouble or you'll go to jail like I did, end quote. Now, the Nortons had um, young boys living with them from the ages of 12 to 14 years old. So they have Alan, Tom, and... Jimmy, uh-huh. and all these boys have developmental disabilities. Okay. Now, Doug helps out a lot around the Norton household because Peter, which will be the father in the Norton house, he yeah. has phys- he's not physically well.
1: Okay.
0: So the things that he can't do, Doug sort of stepped in and did. You know, like he was the handyman. He horsed around with the boys. Uh-huh. He was like their fun uncle. Okay. Now, at times, Linda felt like Doug was really kind of opening up to her, and he would tell her things like, I'm so angry at what my father did to me. Mm -hmm. That's why I've had this life of drinking and carrying on. He also told her, quote, It's my great regret that I could never be a social worker. It would have been great to work with kids, end quote. Now, everyone in Doug's life, completely trusts him mm-hmm. I don't know how people get someone to trust them so completely like it always boggles my mind yeah no me too one night Doug and Sandra have a birthday party for Sandra's son mm-hmm. and they're at the Meadowville Town Center or sorry Meadowville Townhouse. Mm-hmm. now they invite the Norton and obviously the Norton kids two of the boys end up getting so upset because they want to sleep over at the house
1: Okay,
0: And at first the parents say, no, absolutely not. Mm-hmm. But they get so upset that they let the boys sleep over okay. in their own house. Mm-hmm. Now, a little side note, it's a rule of the Children's Aid Society that any adult who's going to stay overnight with kids has to have a criminal record check. Okay, fair enough. And Linda and Peter, obviously, they have a contract with them. They know this, but they trust... Doug so completely that they say, it's okay, we can yeah. trust him,
1: mm-hmm. and the kids stay. Mm-hmm.
0: Another time, Doug took one of the boys to Peterborough to buy a boat. Doug took the kids for hours at a time, a lot. So he's mm-hmm. alone with these boys. Mm-hmm. Now, Doug did, did end up getting a new job at the Crystal Springs factory in Mississauga. Okay. And after work, he'd either go to his house or to the Norton house. Okay. So. hmm the relationship with Sandra starts to get a little bit rocky at this point. Okay. She wasn't getting along with uh, Doug's brother. Once um, his brother said to her, you know, go shove it up your ass. And he beat up his brother in the front lawn. Yeah. Wow. Okay. His brother ends up smartly moving back to his mom's house.
1: Yeah.
0: Now, by this time, Sandra had started to change. She changed her look. She did lose weight. She mm-hmm. got a new job as a money room supervisor at Woodbine Racetrack. And Doug would sort of brag and say that everything good that's happening in her life is because of him. Of course, yeah. But he would tell his female friends that their relationship had issues. He was 36. She was 30. Okay. So Doug would complain that he didn't know what to do with a younger woman.
1: because All his right preference
0: was older women. Okay, he needs to relax. But okay. <laughs> now, by t- 2003, Doug starts accusing her of cheating and she basically changes her whole work schedule so that they're never at home together.
1: They're never at home
0: together? Yeah, like she changes her whole work schedule so they work opposite hours and they're never home together. Okay. So, basically, he's just a roommate at this point. Okay. Now... There is a local drop-in center for teens beside Meadowville Town Center,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and it closes. Okay. So Doug's place kind of replaces this with a lot of the teens from the local high school there. Okay. Between him being sort of this, like, trusted older guy that people know about, mm-hmm. he also had... I mean, he has drugs, but he, sells, he just sells pot. Okay. And when you're a teenager... Sort of the place to be, right? The cooler, older guy who always has pot. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. And even single moms would send their teens to Doug so he could straighten them out. Oh, goodness. Goodness. Among the teens that would stay there, Sandra's son was there, and he's 12. And Philip, a 14-year-old boy from Orangeville, would stay there, too. This kid, I don't know how he met Doug. I don't know what happened. He just started staying there. Okay. And the Nortons, they send their 19-year-old nephew, his girlfriend, and their brand-new baby to stay with Doug. And a 15-year-old whose name is Renee Charbois, he was a medieval high school student. He was friends with Philip, and that's how Doug and him met. He would hang out there all the time.
1: Right.
0: Now, Sandra's son, people say, he's beginning to dramatically change. He is this chatty, outgoing great kid and he Mm -hmm. just starts being angry withdrawn you know like the people say like he goes over to their house and he would be like all in the conversation and then at one point he was just kind of sitting to this to the corner Mm -hmm. by himself right now doug had this just this charismatic way he got people to help him do things that if you really sat and think about why would you do it right so one of sandra's friends whose name is donna mckenna Ah, uh, Doug starts helping her out around the house, mm-hmm. just doing handyman work, mm-hmm. and he gets into an accident with his car. He, this guy has a thing with cars, oh, yeah. but his car catches fire on the four hundred one, okay. which is just a highway, and he convinces Donna to sign a lease for a new car. Oh, because he can't, for thirty thousand dollars, she does. Yeah, and she basically just drives off a lot for him as if it's her car. Okay. Now, Doug has large amounts of cash on hand and he kind of flaunted it. Like, people knew where his stuff was in the mm-hmm. house. Between his factory job, his rental jobs, and dealing drugs, he was making a good bit of money. Sure. So, Doug meets friends Robbie and Joe. Now, this is Robbie Grenwall and. Joe Manchisi, and I really hope I'm saying their names right. Right. But Robbie was big into sports. He loved watching and playing them. He had a close relationship with his sister, Nav, and his mom. And in 1993, his dad passed away. In 99, an older cousin that he really admired took his own life.
1: Wow.
0: And this kind of started Robbie on a path of drugs. He was using and selling. Okay. But he did kind of wanted to start anew. You know, he enrolled himself into college and he was trying to sort of leave that kind of drug life behind. And Joe had a lot going for him, too. He was good looking. People say he was smart and sharp. Mm -hmm. And his family was well known in the Milton area. Mm -hmm. Joe was a good student. He was enrolled in college at George Brown. He was planning to work with his family and they had businesses in real estate, automotive tires and restaurants. Okay his family had absolutely no idea that he um, sold drugs
1: okay
0: Joe and Robbie both had girlfriends and they knew Doug from the Meadowville scene It was uh wherever there was pot the three of them were Mm -hmm. and sometimes they would actually buy pot from each other to resell it to someone else
1: okay
0: okay so on Sunday October 26 2003 Doug wakes up kind of early And he thinks that he hears someone in the house. Okay. So he sees that Sandra's asleep, Mm -hmm. her son's asleep, and he goes down to the basement and Philip is asleep. Okay. And he realizes that he's been robbed. Someone stole uh, his pot, credit cards, $3,800 in cash, and he says about $5,000 worth of jewelry. So, he files a police report and he tells them that Robbie and Joe are the ones that stole from him. Oh. He just, he has it in his brain that they did it. Okay. Donna, Sandra's friend, the one that leased the car, she says that Doug says to her, quote, they took my weed and my money and the little bastards knew where everything was kept. When I catch the little bastards, I'm going to beat the F out of them, end quote. Okay. He also told people that he was going to quote kill the little effers. Right. On Wednesday, November 12th, mm-hmm. Robbie leaves his house at around 10:30 a.m. Mm-hmm. Now he leaves in a big hurry. Joe comes to the house to pick him up, and as they're leaving the house, they see Joe's oh sorry, they see Robbie's mom and they say we're going to go to the Tim Hortons around the corner.
1: Okay.
0: Now the night before Robbie tells his sister Nev ...that he has an appointment at 11.30 a.m. Now, this is what police can just piece together.
1: Okay.
0: That Tim, Tim's around the corner was a hangout for Doug. So it's thought that the three of them met there. Okay. It was either a drug deal or a talk about drugs. Somehow, Doug convinces them to go to the townhouse. And when they're at the townhouse, Doug kills Robbie and Joe... Okay. He keeps the bodies in the garage for two days. So in the meantime, time the families of Robbie and Joe are in contact with each other, and they're basically just making excuses for why they can't get in contact with the kids. Okay. I mean, no, I call them kids. I'm sorry, right. with them, but nobody wants to believe That's the, the worst. Of course. Now, Doug gets fourteen-year-old Philip, the one that was staying in his basement, to help him cut up the bodies. Oh. They divided the body parts using large plastic containers that they could, like, move on wheels. hmm And at this point, Sandra and her son are inside the house. Now, by all accounts, Sandra knows what's going on, but her son is oblivious. He has no idea. Okay. Doug and Philip load up the car with the containers, and they drive to Montreal. hmm Later, both Sandra and Philip will be charged with accessory after the fact. Ugh. Now, the families of Robbie and Joe file a police report three days after um, both, both of the guys go to Tim Hortons. Okay. Now, the families say that the police did not take this seriously because they were known drug dealers.
1: Right. Which, Which isn't the first time that no, we've heard something I, like that. So. I can
0: believe that. Mm-hmm. So Joe Mancini Sr., and I'm just going to call him Joe Sr. from now on, yeah. but he decides that he is going to call his family members, okay. and they're going to start investigating the, this themselves because they don't like what the police are doing. Sure. And they just call everyone that the boys know, and they look through their room, and they just basically pick up any kind of piece of paper that might give them a hint of something. So when they start calling people, everyone says the same thing. You need to talk to Doug Moore. Okay. So they do have a conversation and this is basically what it goes like. Joe Sr. asks, do you know Joe Menchisi?" Doug simply says, nope. Of course. He asks more questions and he's trying to tell him, listen, people are telling me that you do know Joe. Doug says to him, do you know how old I am? What would I do with this guy who's 20 years old? And basically he just hangs up on him.
1: Okay.
0: Now they keep calling and talking to their friends, anyone that will basically listen to them. Mm-hmm. And they get someone, a younger person, whose name isn't known. Okay. And they basically say, it's this guy, Moore. He thinks that they robbed him, and he said that he was going to kill them. Now, it wasn't easy, but they convinced this person to go to the police and give a statement. Mm-hmm. Now, Peel detective told Nev, which is Robbie's sister... Here's the quote that she said Don't worry. Moore is a big dog who doesn't bite. And Joe Sr. will say that in Halton, this is what the detective told him Joe, this Moore guy is a pedophile. Those guys are not usually dangerous. <laughs> okay. And I don't know if he means they're not usually murderers. What, what? I don't know what he means. I'm is not he trying research. I don't know if I'm trying stuff? to, like, defend a cop but yeah apparently Robbie and Joe had had robbed some other drug dealers okay so it was just thought that maybe it's one of them do you know any, like that's the police stance like it's one of them maybe sure now while this is happening here in Ontario in Quebec a tree cutter finds a torso in the bushes oh that's awful now the hands and the head are removed Mm-hmm. and we now know that an identifying tattoo was sliced off the corpse's shoulder
1: Okay.
0: and it was uh, a tattoo that Joe had of his father like his nickname
1: no,
0: or something no. so he sliced okay. it off and they are not going to identify those bodies for four months now the okay. police do interview Doug and basically they say we know you're a drug dealer we know that this happened mm-hmm. and Doug says to them yeah, I sell drugs, but you have to catch me first.
1: Like catch me in the act. Right. Is that what he means?
0: Okay. But he's basically saying, yeah, I sell drugs, but I didn't do anything else. Now the police do interview All right. um, that lady who leased the car for him, Donna. Mm-hmm. And they ask her how she knows Doug and why she would lease a car for her for him.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And they also ask if she knows anything about the missing men. And of course she says no. Yeah, of course. And then they also ask if, if she knows why Doug had been in jail. And she says no. She had no idea. And when they leave, basically, Doug shows up to her work and says, why were the police here? What did they say? What was the conversation like?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And she tells Doug everything that happens, obviously. Yeah. And she was like, but why were they asking me about those two men that went missing? Right. He's like, I don't know. And he just left. Okay. He's just avoiding. He's avoid. Of course, he's not going to say he killed them. Mm-hmm. So, Robbie and Joe disappear on November 12th, 2003. On December 12th, 2003, Renee. Okay. he leaves school at 3.30pm. and he's a good student. He's well-liked by his classmates. And, but he started hanging out with some people that his family didn't approve didn't of. Yeah. Okay. And that's when he started using drugs. Okay. And normally after school, he goes home, he gets on his computer, he messages his friends, he's a teenager. But that day, he never went home, and his mother ends up filing a police report at 9 p.m. Now, what really happened with Renee is really unclear. Mm-hmm. The following week after he went missing, yeah. people are saying that they are seeing him in the Meadowville area.
1: Okay, so now there's confusion.
0: There's confusion.
1: Yeah.
0: But, and someone reports to the police that they saw him with two men at the, in the Meadowville area. The thought is that Doug and another person abduct him and killed him because he knew about the murders with Robbie and He knew about the other two. Okay. Police think at this point that Doug is connected to all the murders, Okay. but they don't have grounds to search his house. Okay. By February, Doug and Sandra split up. They move into an apartment building. Both of them move into the same apartment building, but different apartments. Okay. I know. Well, when, like, I know this is going to fast forward a little bit, but when he does get arrested, it's reported that she's his common law wife. But they have two separate apartments. Yes. Which I don't understand why, but that's what's reported. Anyways. Okay. In early March, Doug goes to see Donna with Sandra's son, and she says that the boy is so shy and withdrawn and... Like, she's just noting that something's wrong with him. Right. Now, he was told by police that... The police are asking... Not told by police. He's told by his friends that the police are asking questions about him, but not about the murders. Linda Norton, she's from the Foster family, says that one of her former Foster children, Alan... Uh-oh. Yeah. ...is alleging that someone had molested him in the Norton home. Okay. Okay. Now, Linda openly talks to Doug about this because she doesn't think that it's him.
1: Uh Uh-oh. Okay.
0: Right. So she tells Doug the police are going to come and talk to her, and he kind of presses her, saying, like, what the hell are you going to say to them? And she's like, the truth. I didn't know anything.
1: Right, so he wants to cover up.
0: Cover up. Now, the allegations are pretty terrible, and they're not just from Alan. From two thousand to 2004, Doug had been... Sexually abusing three of the boys at the Norton home, and this includes fondling and anal intercourse. Okay. Now the abuse happened at the overnight stay at the Morehouse, the party that they had, mm-hmm. the trip to Peterborough, and they're saying basically any time that he was alone with the Norton boys at the Norton at the Norton house and the Morehouse. house oh, Okay. Now during Linda Norton's interview, they tell her that. Doug is a pedophile, and he's not some guy that did time for murder, and this is the first she's hearing about it.
1: Oh, that must have been
0: mortifying. Yes, and children's Aid cuts ties with them real quick and says, we're yeah. taking these boys out of the house. Of course, yeah. And I mean, that's the right thing to do. Now, obviously, Linda is more than furious, and that they the children's aide said, we'll give you one night with the boys, and we're taking them in the morning. And she said that she, like, went home and told them, and they had, like, a pizza party. hmm It's really sad.
1: Yeah, that is. That's horrible.
0: But you have... That's why you have to follow the rules. Yeah. Right? But, I mean,
1: this is the thing, is that she was following the rules.
0: Just not the overnight stays. Just
1: not the overnight stays. Right. And...
0: It just would have been one less time,
1: right? Yeah. It's, it's unfortunate. Um, it, he should have been checked.
0: For sure. Absolutely. Um, Especially if you're going to leave them alone oh, with that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But I don't... I don't fully blame her. I mean, I put a little bit of blame. She should have been... But I don't fully blame her. I think that he really... He's yeah. just a predator. Yeah, you know? he is. That's what predators
1: do. Right. We have to remember that predators also manipulate adults. Adults, too.
0: Yeah, of course. Oh, no. So police get a warrant but it's related to the sexual assault of the boys Mm -hmm. now they go to sandra martin's apartment first to check if he's there he's not and the police allege that she tipped him off okay because doug flees and he's caught on march 15th in a hotel in burlington he's charged with 11 counts of sexual assault on three boys now by march 19th a body is found in an orangeville landfill site And they test to see if it's one of the missing people. And soon after the body is found, police get a warrant. And they get to go into Doug's former townhouse. Okay. So they do that. And someone calls police. And they say that the car that Robbie and Joe were driving the last time that they were seen, that they've spotted it in Orangeville. Now, someone's holding the car, and it's not said who was holding the car for for him at this point, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: but when Doug calls Sandra and asks, um, Sandra asks, what do I do with this car? Right. Doug says, make him burn the car. And on March 27th, Sandra is going to pay $400 to get the person to burn the car, but police intercept it because jails, jail calls are recorded. Yeah, in case she, you didn't know. Right. And like, so why stupid. would she do that? Like she wasn't. That's at, why I'm saying she's, a, she's garbage too. That's yeah, why I'm saying. Yeah. Like, she's she's not even, you're not even with him. Right. And maybe that's why people thought that they were still together. Yeah. I don't know. Right. On April 2nd at 3.30 a.m., they find Doug in his cell having just committed suicide. Now, Doug's family does take up for him and say he doesn't do any of these things that he's accused of okay now remember Philip he was charged as an accessory he got six months four months in a youth jail facility and two under community supervision he appealed because basically his stance is he wouldn't have done any of this if it wasn't for Dub, like he did it because he feared his life okay but here's the thing this is what Philip admits to Oh, God, okay. He helped to hide the weapons,
1: okay. to
0: bury the bodies.
1: Uh-huh.
0: To, he helped dismember the bodies. And he even admits that he held the heads of the two men inside a car wash while Doug washed off the blood.
1: Okay.
0: Now, remember, this was built. Doug did this because he thought that they robbed him. Mm-hmm. But Philip admitted that he was the one who took everything. He admitted that in court.
1: Well, I mean, listen. If if you're gonna believe Phil that he was scared for his life, he probably had seen Douglas's temper and had, he had you, good reason. And he had good reason to fear for his life. I still think I don't he... think it would have been a time to say, Hey, by the way, I took the stuff. Absolutely not. Um but I get it. He, I think he needed he some
0: to... kind of rehabilitation or oh, yeah. something. You can't yeah. just be like, well, you're done.
1: Yeah, But no, is for jail sure.
0: that? I don't know. But yeah. for the families...
1: no, yeah. I mean, that's kind of... To know that he's an accessory to all of that and that's all that he got is is gross.
0: But he was 14, right? Like, yeah, no, he's very I young. I know. Now, the torsos were found in Quebec in different spots. hmm But the hands and heads... Were never found. Oh, Philip tells police that Doug strangled one of them with a hockey skate lace, okay. and he beat the other one to death with a baseball bat. Jesus, but if he didn't give that up, we wouldn't know. Yeah, how they died. Now Joe Senior says in an interview about Philip, he's a criminal, and it's not right that the public doesn't know who he is. Maybe some people have forgotten, but not me. I won't rest until I find the rest of my son and his friend. End quote.
1: That's heartbreaking.
0: I mean, now we know who Philip is because obviously after they cha- they turn, um, I think it's 18, once you turn 18, yeah, and with is, the internet. Right. Your I name mean, we will get released, yeah. Right. And the last article that I read was in 2004, and I couldn't find anything about the head or hands. I don't know if they found it. I don't think they did. Did they ever ask, Philip, like, do you know where it is? He would never tell them. Why do you think that is? I don't know, but that was something that really upset, um, both of the families. Like, why of not course. just tell us where the where the body, like where the rest of their bodies are, so we can just have them at home? But he wouldn't say. Hmm.
1: That's, that's to me that's interesting. It's like why are you holding back that information when you've said. You know, the car wash and how they were killed. And I wonder
0: if he was holding out for a better deal. Like, his lawyer maybe advised him to not say. Like, for a better deal. Like, try to use it's it as a better baggage. deal
1: than six months.
0: He didn't want any time. I mean, he's already out, obviously. This happened in yeah. 2001. Yeah, who knows? But Sandra, I couldn't find what happened to her.
1: Mm-hmm. I she don't know. She probably
0: changed her name and moved I couldn't even find how, if she got jail time for her. I, I doubt she got... She probably just got probation. I doubt she yeah. got much of anything. Yeah. Okay. So that's it. That's the case of Doug Moore. It was disturbing to say at least. And there was a lot of people. I hope that it wasn't confusing, but I tried yeah. to make it as simple as I could. Mm-hmm. Um, remember to follow us. Instagram at
1: crime, and on Twitter at sisters underscore crime. Please subscribe to our podcast and rate and review us on Apple. Uh, Thank you so much for listening. This is Christina and Sandra. Talk soon.